0: Was not giving up for Jesus this morning. We can do that than that. Man, oh man. Man, I love being back here with you today. I love Sundays. Why is that, church? It's our what? Sunday. Yeah, it's our fun day. I know I say it all the time. You're like, oh, come on, Rich, get over that. No, truly, I love coming and worshiping an awesome God with all of you, singing his praises with his church, his children, his family, and we also get to celebrate life change for Jesus Christ. Come on. Come on. You know, last, last week we wrapped up the Fanatic series and we talked a little about standing in the gap. We stand for Jesus. And I got you all up. You're all fired up. And it was absolutely amazing. But what was really cool is this pile of guys who walked down here and said, I will stand. I will stand. I will stand. I will stand for Jesus. And one of those men gave his life to Jesus Christ. Come on. <clears throat> and just the other day, uh, the other evening, Steph and I received a text message from a couple that attend our church that've been attending for the last six months or so, and they've been coming. And the wife accepted Jesus was baptized this past summer, and in the text message saying, "Hey, my our our my husband wants to accept Jesus. Can you can we pray with him on Sunday?" And we're like, "Yeah, that we can. But how about you do it right now with him where he's at? Come on, right?" And so his sister was there, and and then she was leading her brother into the Lord, and his wife was recording it, and they sent us a video, and we watched this young man give his life to Jesus. Come on. If that doesn't get you fired up, I'm not sure what will. And it's a beautiful thing, because we have been watching Jesus change his family's life right in front of our eyes, one by one. And, uh, man, I just can't wait to see what God's going to do in their family next. Uh, If you're new here, welcome to Vertical. Man, we hope that you would feel welcome and wanted when you came in this morning. Have you figured out we're all about Jesus at this place? I'm wearing a shirt that says Jesus. That's all. We're all about him. We love him. We want to worship him. We want to serve him. We are glad you were here today. I hope that when you leave that you know how much God loves you through his son, Jesus Christ, uh, and nothing, nothing less. Gang, open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Peter. We're going to get into this this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1, we're starting at verse 1 in a few minutes. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. If you grabbed an orange Bible on the way in, you will find on page, I believe it's 828, 828. By the way, if you grabbed an orange Bible and you don't have a Bible of your own, please take it. That is our gift to you. That is our gift to you. It, if you grabbed it in, if you didn't grab it away and you're like, hey, what are these books here? And you don't have a Bible, grab one on the way out. That is our gift to you. We desire we desire for you to have a copy of God's Word because we believe it's live and active and it changes who we are and how we decide to live. Today we're stepping in this series that, that Dania was talking about earlier. I believe it's relevant for each one of us in this room. It's called Breakthrough, Finding Victory Over a Defeated World. You know, I love series like Fanatic when we get all crazy and excited, uh, but sometimes we got to step in and actually deal with the things that we deal with on a normal life basis. I mean, you know, for the past several years, we have walked through so much adversity in life. So many people that I care about have become prey to the broken world that you and I live in. I have seen the pain, I have seen the hurt, I've seen the defeat in their eyes of too many people that I love and care for, individual lives, marriages, families have been facing what seems to be insurmountable odds, like there's barriers in front of them, they they don't know how to get to the other side of them, and then not only have they stopped them from moving forward, these barriers, but it's been beating them down in the process, physically, emotionally mentally and spiritually. It seems like if I think about this over the past several years, there seems like to be a put a lid on our lives. Like this is as good as it gets. This is where it's at. It doesn't get any better. This is what we are worth. Lives of too many people have been capped, trapped far below the victory that we have been promised in Jesus Christ. Amen? And right now, Right now, many of you in this room, and many of you in this room either walking through this or your people in your lives personally that you're walking in, you're facing the realities of fear, dealing with anxiety, walking through depression. You feel broken. You feel lonely. You're being controlled by a habit, driven by a hurt, fallen to a heartache. And I get it. I'm right there with you. I live in this world as with you, and I walk through those things too. But we don't need to stay there, church. There's a breakthrough for every single one of us in this room. There is a way to bust free from what is right in front of us and take hold of a life that is truly life that is found in Jesus Christ. And so over the next few weeks, it's my hope as we walk through this together, That we can proclaim our breakthrough, victory over this defeated world. By the way, Jesus says and said of himself, in this world you will face trouble, but take heart, I have overcome this world. The world that we live in is filled with death, decay, and disease, but it's already been defeated. Jesus proclaimed it, but it doesn't mean the adversities we face are any less. We will face them. But it does mean that God has provided us a way to stand fast in them. And the more I read through this book, church, read your Bibles. The more that I read through this book, I come over and over to the conclusion that in this world, man, we're not meant to just survive in this world. Jesus gives us everything for we to to thrive in this world. But I think as we walk through this series, we will be surprised how that is lived out. See, right now you're open to a book of 1 Peter. It was written by a close follower, Jesus. Peter was an eyewitness to the life of Christ. He watched Jesus heal the sick. He watched Jesus cast out demons. He watched Jesus raise from someone from the dead. He watched, he was there when Jesus proclaimed and pulled off the absolutely impossible, when Jesus said, I am gonna die, and three days later I'm gonna come back to life. Jesus did that, Peter was there. He also knew firsthand the rejection that comes with anyone who follows Jesus and the hardships that we face in this world. And that's the audience of Peter's letter. Peter is writing to a group of Christians who were considered outcasts. They were living in a time that, that rejected everything about Jesus. They are living in a time that were very controlling government, the Roman government over them that rejected Jesus. They rejected them for their faith in Christ. They were exiles in the society which they lived. They were hard-pressed in many ways in life. So Peter writes this letter to them, knowing exactly what they're walking through. And at the very end of his letter, Peter gives a purpose for his writing. He brings clarity to his fellow followers. He shares that he has spoken to them. He's given a road map to victory over this defeated world. You can find that on the screen, chapter 5, verse 12. Peter says, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. This is why I've written you. This is what you must do to win. Stand fast in God's grace. For us to stand fast is simply, friends, to be immovable. Immovable. For you and I to be resolute in life, unwavering, what, no matter what comes at us, we are standing our ground. So me put, we find victory by not giving up. We find victory by not giving up. That's exactly what Satan is wanting you to do. When things come at us in life, when hardships come, he wants us to give up. His minions that work over time. I just saw the first part of a meme, meme that my wife posted this past week. He said Satan's working 160 hour, eight hours a week looking for a way to take you down, right? He is looking to take you down. His minions are finding ways to take you down. When there's hardships in our world, they, they're looking for us to quit, to give up. And the way that we proclaim victory is to not give up. We stand our ground. We become steadfast in God's grace that pours in our lives new every single day. And for the next several weeks, we're going to walk through this with God, and God's going to show us how. We're going to dig into the scriptures God revealed to us how. Because the truth is, the Bible is not just about what happened. It's about what will always happen. See, we can take the scripture and apply it to every single generation who's ever lived and the truth of it can be lived out in our lives. And if God is showing them a way would have victory over a defeated world, guess what God's doing for us? We just need to follow the roadmap. You with me? Yes. All right, let's get this. Opener. You got to open a 1 Peter chapter one, starting at verse one. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia—who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Let's just stop right there, as we understanding that we're to stand fast in God's grace. And we're going to try to find victory about not giving up. The first thing I think we need to remember, what, Paul, what Peter is bringing out here, is for point number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Number one, I am chosen. I am chosen to God's elect, to God's chosen people. people. Peter is speaking to a specific group of people, people with a given title. But what does it mean to be chosen? What does it mean to be elect? We well, read those words, and I, I want for, for us to comprehend what God is saying to us. So I want to give you an example. Um, maybe, maybe you can remember uh, being back in gym class in school. And at the start of gym class, for some of us, that was a couple years ago, some of us are still in it, and the rest of us are, you know, that was many, many years ago, gym class, you know what I'm saying, right? So we're in gym class, we come to gym class, the gym teacher says, hey, listen, everybody line up against the wall, and we're going to play kickball today, and all the students line up against the wall, and everything's looking good, and, and what he does, he picks two captains, and the two captains are going to come out, and they're going to they're pick their team. And, we're, we're the, and they're looking down. We're looking up and down. And they're the captains. And okay, wondering what team we're going to be on. I wonder if we're ever going to be chosen. And this is what the captains do. They look up and down the line, and they're determining your worth. They're looking up and down the line saying, who do I want? And who do I want to avoid? You know what I'm saying? Like, this person I want my team. This person I definitely don't want my team. They are they're putting their worth on us. Now, through the process, some of us are selected pretty quickly, you know, because we can get up there and we can kick the ball a country mile. We're, we're an athletic, pro- boom, there we go, baby, home run. And all of us, otherwise, we can't kick the ball worth anything, but we can run really fast. So we are selected. And then there's another group of us who are standing in line looking at people being chosen, and we're sitting there wondering, when is it going to be me? And the line is dwindling down. And another person's chosen, and we're still standing there. And another person's gone. Another person's gone. Another person's gone. And we're standing there. And maybe, maybe we were one of the people who were chosen last. You got that image? Has everybody got that image in your head? Those memories in your head? Great. Now what I want you to do is take all that and throw it away. Take that memory and just hit the delete button. Take those feelings and flush them. You know what I'm saying? Just get rid of them. Because when it comes to being elected by God, it's nothing like that. Absolutely nothing like that. It's nothing that we've ever experienced and felt before. But when God says he chose you, it simply means he looked down and says, I want you to be with me forever our election, our being chosen, our worth has nothing to do what we have done or ever will do. It has everything to do with God's love for us. Do you get that? He chose you because he loves you, not because of what you will do, not because of what you have done. And maybe, maybe you don't quite believe that, Maybe that you've been walking through with your relationship with God, it was based on what you did or could do for Him. Maybe because what you've done in your past, you feel like you didn't deserve to be chosen, you didn't deserve God's love, that you weren't worthy enough. None of us are. That's why it's called grace. Or maybe you knew this truth. So, yeah, I know. But it's not something you grabbed a hold of, it's something you glazed over as you read through scripture. Friends, I don't think it was by mistake or error of words that Peter started out his conversation with those who were living broken lives back to their chosen relationship with God. Like you are walking through this, you are dealing with hardship. Let me just remind you, this is who you are. I know you're facing these things, but remember who you are. Remember, Joseph, everything that's going on in the world, everything that you're facing in life, remember this is who you are, this is whose you are. And I think that's key for us. As we're walking through our own hardships and we're dealing with our own pain, we're dealing with some sufferings and we're, we're dying, we're crying out for victory, we need to remember who we are, how the whole thing started. Because I believe understanding who we are determines how we will choose to live. If we believe that we're broken, we're faulty, we're back here, we're not worthy of all this kind of stuff, guess where we're gonna live? We're gonna live in the cesspool of this thing called this world. But if we know that we're chosen, no, God brought us into this kingdom of his love, right? This is where we belong. Guess how we're gonna live? I'm gonna stand here and fight. Because who God tells me, I am. Not what based on what I'm facing in this world. And here's what blows my mind. I can't comprehend God's awesomeness when it comes to Scripture sometimes. Look back at verse 2. He says, "...whoever been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father." According to the foreknowledge God the Father, "...through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient in Jesus Christ, sprinkled with His blood." God in his foreknowledge, meaning that meaning God in all his wisdom before anything existed in this timeline, in his thing called life, before the trees, before the animals, before the sun, before the earth, before the moons, before the, all the galaxies, before anything in creation, he chose us before anything was anything. God chose you. Come on. verse three praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and to an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. this inheritance, Is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power into the coming salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's just stop there again. Again, I read scripture and I ask a ton of questions with God. Sometimes I think he just laughs at me when I ask them. But I read this and immediately started thinking to myself, okay, Peter is writing to a group of people with pain-filled lies. And he starts off by saying, we are to praise God. What? Seriously, Peter? You know what I, I, the people are dealing with and you're asking them to praise God right now? I mean, let's, come on, let's be honest. I don't think when it comes to the hardships in our lives when we're dealing with some suffering or going through some painful situations in life, we're not thinking about like, okay, I'm going to praise God, right? We're not walking through, like, we don't go to the streets and shout, Jesus, bring the pain, baby. Peter, what in the world are you saying? When I read this, I think Peter is saying, we don't praise him for our circumstances. We praise him through our circumstances. We praise him through our circumstances. There is a difference. There is a difference because praising our God is not based on what's taking place in our life. Praising our God is based on solely who he is. That he is the Lord of Lord. He's the king of kings. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. The one who created all things from nothing. And just because of who he is, he deserves our praise. It's based on our living hope, hope that is alive because Jesus is alive, hope that is alive because we are alive in Jesus, and one day we're going to be with him forever because our inheritance is in heaven. And that leads us to the second point this morning. You got, we, I am chosen, and the second one is heaven is my home. Heaven is my home, not here. If we look at this world, we look at this world, we walk through this, we live in this world, and we think, this is as good as it gets. This is what God had in mind back when everything was created, and he said this, and this was very good. We are sadly mistaken. We've missed God's glory of what's to come. Right now, the world that we live in is not our home. Friends, we are temporary residents We are foreign citizens living in a foreign world. Heaven is our home. Jesus is coming back, and he's taking us with him, baby. The world we live in is filled with death, decay, and disease, and deceit. It is filled with pain, suffering, brokenness, loneliness. And I don't need to tell you this. Because you've experienced it. And maybe you're experiencing it this morning. But when we look at the world and watch the news, what's taking place right now, and we think this is good as God gets, we have taken our eyes out of his vertical glory and put it on the horizontal problems in front of us. I think Pastor Dre says it and shared it before, Eyes up. Eyes up. And because when we take it off of God and we bring it down and put it on our problems, our hardship, this becomes the center of our hope. Not this. We are chosen. Heaven is our home. Peter is pointing them and us to the simple truth the deepest longing of our hearts and our souls to be living in a perfect home, in a perfect place. And this world is not it. In fact, author and pastor, he's with Jesus now, Tim Keller, wrote in a book called Prodigal God, amazing book, by the way. That's a convicting book, but the chapter, redefining our hope, he says this, the message of the Bible is that the human race is a band of exiles trying to come home. Peter's writing to a group in his words of scattered exiles reminding them, reminding us this world that we're walking through and dealing with is not our home. Keller goes on to say later, we are not made for a world of disease and natural disaster, a world in which everything decays and dies, including ourselves. This world as now exists is not the home that we long for. We long for heaven. That is our home. And we, if we know that, our perspective changes what we're dealing in front of us. We know that we're chosen, that we belong to him, that we know that our inheritance is gifted to us to be with him and forever and ever. And amen in heaven. Verse 5, it goes on and says, this, In this you greatly rejoice. Yes, we do, Jesus. Thank you. Though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that proven the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, that may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Point number three: God's not done with us yet. I am chosen, right? I am chosen. Heaven is my home. He's not done. If I know that I'm chosen, heaven is my home, and I'm still here. Guess what? God's still working. He's working in your life. And this is the hardest part to sell you. We can stand behind and cheer all day long that we are chosen people for God. We can pump our arms in great excitement that this is not our home, but prepared for us that His place is beauty and much better than this yet. But tell me that until that time comes, we're going to experience hardships and suffering. We're going to face trials. We're going to deal with some junk. We're going to have some heartaches. That doesn't excite any of us. This is where you lose me, Rich. And this is where people doubt there is a God. If God is so good, then why is this stuff taking place in Israel? Why innocent people being killed? Why do we have wars? Why are there murders? Why are people dying? If God is so good, why are we dealing with junk? That's where we lose people. Friends, it's really easy to to love and follow Jesus when everything is good. It's much harder to follow him when on the broken road of real life. See, what happens is when trials come, when the pain sets in, when we fall on our faces, we forget who he is. We forget who God is. We forget God. We forget his promises to us. We forget who he is above all things. He doesn't forget us. We forget him. We take our eyes of him and try to find our fix in this world, and it will never, ever satisfy us. We forget that we were once broken too, right? We were once broken too in the world that we live in. We forget that we were once separated from God and all his glory because of our sin, we forget what Jesus has done and he called us to himself. We forget where we were before Jesus. We forget that God's working in our lives, in our lives right now. That he's chosen to be us to be his children. We forget all sorts of things because we focus on the problem in front of us. We forget his presence, his work in our lives on daily. We forget God has done how he transformed us from death to life. We forget who we were before him. I want to share with you this morning if if God will transform our present situation just as he did our past condition. God can transform our, our present situation just like he did our past condition. We were broken, dead, alone, separated, and he called us to himself. Remember again, go back, we were chosen, right? Heaven is our home. And just as we went through all that and he transformed that, he can take right now what you were walking through, what you were dealing with, and bring it to the other side as well. Because that is our God. He will walk us from death to life. He can walk us through from what we're facing to the other side. Because the reality is friends what we face right here right now in this life fails in comparison to what he's already done in us through Jesus Christ. If he can make a dead man alive he can carry you through the pain. Will you Allow him to do it. God, I've been talking this week, and uh, originally didn't have this to walk through, but this morning, he says, I want you to talk about this this morning. There's this life that was lived back in John chapter 11. This guy named Lazarus. Anybody familiar with the story of Lazarus? Show me, raise your hand. Pretty amazing story. Go back and read the whole thing this afternoon, John chapter 11. But these people come to Jesus and tell him that one of his close friends is sick, really sick. And Jesus responds to them and he says in in 11 verse 4, The sickness will not end in death, no, it's for God's glory that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So they come to him and say, hey, Jesus, you need to come because this guy that you care about is sick. And he said, no, no, this sickness will not end in death. What happens next? Lazarus dies. And how does every single person respond to Lazarus' death after the fact that he dies? Mary and Martha are weeping and crying. They bury him. They wrap him in the tomb. The people are coming out to, to nurture them because their the brother had died. Every person in the story, even Jesus' disciples said, a, he's dead. What are you going to do now? Don't roll away that tomb. It's been four days. The guy's gonna stink. He's got grave clothes on. Come on, every single person had this death in mind. They forgot what Jesus said. They forgot there's an end to the story that Jesus already proclaimed at the beginning. And Jesus simply said, Lazarus, come out. Take off your grave clothes, dude, because you are alive. That's how many of us are walking through this life right now. We're facing some hardships. I get we're dealing with some tough things in life. I can't, I can't feel what you're feeling because I'm not walking through your shoes. But listen, don't walk through life with grave clothes on. You are alive. We come to these things in life, we think, okay, this is the end. This is the end. This is the hardship. The problem is at the end. There's no more do- There's no more to be done. Forget we forget about Jesus. <laughs> there is always more to the story, your story. We just need to give Jesus the opportunity to tell it. I don't know what you're walking through, friends. I don't know what you're dealing with but let him tell your story. There's an end that you don't see because of the hardship you're in. Every single one of those people thought that Lazarus was going to stay in a tomb and it was done deal until the resurrection. And Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh. He's alive. What will you let God do for you? What will you let him do for you? Will you go through his life wearing the grave clothes? Will you stand and arise and choose to live as a chosen child of Jesus you are? The choice is yours. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace in our lives. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Jesus. he gave us everything so we can have life. We are not dead. In Jesus, we are alive. And I know that we face hardships at every level. I know we deal with rejection at every level. I know the things that we're walking through because I'm, I'm right there with the rest of the church, your church. But as I read your word, there's more to this story. And I pray as a church that we truly want victory over this defeated world that will stand fast in your grace and let you tell it. Right now I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. I don't know where you're at, what you're walking through. I don't know what hardship you are facing, what you're struggling with. But our team is here for you. We want to lift you up in prayer. We want to wrap you in prayer. We want to encourage your life. We're walking beside you because we're a family. Don't walk out those doors if there's something you need to lay down. Maybe it's time for you to come up and lay down those grave clothes. Maybe it's come up and lay down your life and surrender to the Lord himself. We talked about this morning. giving your life to Jesus Christ, there is victory. And it starts with Jesus. Because I believe Jesus changes everything. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. God bless church. Have an amazing day.